to read together from Isaiah. If you turn in the Pew Bibles, it's on page 631. We're looking at chapter 2, and we're going to read together verses 1 through 5. That's on page 631. The prophet Isaiah. And we're going to read together. So... Are we there? You got a different pew Bible than I have? Go and figure. Whatever page you're on is right. We're at Isaiah 2. What's the page? 550. I thought there was a lot of chatter. I was like, you rowdy people, you. Okay. The prophet Isaiah, chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 5 together and listen for God's word. Let's read. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, he shall judge between the nations. And shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning books. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Before you're seated, would you take as you're finding your seats, let me reintroduce to you if you came in a little bit late. We are in a pulpit swatch swap this morning, and Reverend Howard Dotson is here to give us our word. Would you welcome him? Thank you. I've been here for a couple of foundries, so I knew the worship was going to be awesome. I, I need musical talent like this in my church. In West LA. Our gospel lesson today, if you like to read along or follow along, in our tradition at our church, we stand for the gospel lesson. So I invite you to stand. And I've checked, I know there's going to be different page numbers, but the page number I'm working off of is page 857, Luke chapter 22, 858. Luke chapter 22, verses 47 to 53. The betrayal and arrest of Jesus. While he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, it is with a kiss you are betraying the Son of Man? When those who were around him saw what was coming, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? 
Then one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple police and the elders who had come for him, have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a bandit? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the living God. Thanks be to God. When I was a kid growing up in Lake Wobegon, my brother and me would do as boys do. We would get into fights from time to time. I did not know at the time that I was using low-grade psychological warfare on him. I would use my words instead of my fists. He would hit me, but I would not hit back. And I would taunt him with, Ooh, does that make you a man? I was learning Jesus' principle of turning the other cheek. My brother would walk away frustrated because without me hitting back, he could not build momentum to have a fight. Our youth today need to be able to do this as well. They need to hear stories of peacemaking where we use our brains instead of weapons to resolve our disputes. Remember the good old days when people used to go to the park and resolve their disputes, mano to mano, fist to fist, no weapons, no body bags. But these days, the slightest offense could snuff out the lives of one of our youth, wearing the wrong colors or just being in the wrong place at the wrong time could mean that another family is having to bury a child way, way too soon. The question for us today, how do we reach out as Christ's ambassadors, as peacemakers in Los Angeles? How do we join our voices to teach and live out Jesus' words? No more of this. I knew that urban ministry in L.A., would be challenging, but man, was I in for a rude awakening when I took this call to serve Palms Westminster. It's in South Robertson. It's right across from Hamilton High School. Are there any Yankee graduates here? Couple. Check out the Music Academy. They have great productions. In the past three months, our community has lost four of our young people to gang violence. And just when we thought the worst was over, one of the ice cream vendors on our block was shot on our doorstep in front of the church. This seems so senseless. How much money could an ice cream vendor have? If you've been watching the local news and reading the LA Times, you are aware of the epidemic of gang violence in our communities. The numbers vary, but one estimate is that in L.A. County, there are over 1,300 gangs and 90,000 members. 
we are losing so many of our youth to this toxic and deadly alternative to the righteous path. In our schools, 50% of our racial ethnic students are not making it to graduation. And what future do they have if they don't have a high school diploma? Many of our neighborhoods feel like they live under siege. And some of our youth join gangs because of fear and intimidation. They feel like they're living in the crossfire and they need some protection, some sense of security. How can they learn in school when they feel like they always are in this fight or flight mode? Living across the street from a high school and seeing these kids Monday through Friday streaming past our church, my heart goes out to them. Yet there's this existential chasm that exists between our African-American Latino residents and the homeowners in my community who are predominantly Euro-American and Jewish. Many of us need to confess that we are way too quick to write off a kid as a gangbanger just by the way they dress or the kind of haircut they have. Most of us cannot distinguish between the prevailing hip-hop culture and the signs of being gang-affiliated. As Angelinos, we are challenged with a myriad of social, economic, and ethical factors that contribute to this crisis we're having. As Christians, we are called to be proactive peacemakers. We can help our kids resist this urge to pull out the sword of our day and attack others. And sometimes it's the anger that they have that is misdirected. We need to help them find ways of using their words and finding constructive ways to express their anger. And one of the points that I continue to press at numerous town hall meetings is our responsibility for all of us to raise up our youth. Too often I see this rush to blame the victim. Well, if their parents were doing their jobs, we wouldn't have this problem. But we're all parents of our youth. They all belong to us. And sometimes we're deflecting our responsibility that we've shirked and blaming the parents. And so often I see that people saying that, they're not parents themselves. They don't appreciate how hard it is to parent. And how sometimes no matter how hard you try, you send your young one out and they make decisions on their own. How do we reclaim this village metaphor of raising our children? How do we become an extended family to teach and guide our young ones? Even Jesus had to deal with gangs in his ministry. Do you remember the zealots? These were the guerrillas of Jesus' day who were resisting Roman occupation. This violent faction was in large numbers in Jerusalem at Passover because they remember the story of God delivering the Israelites from bondage in Egypt. They were hungry for a Messiah that would deliver them from Roman occupation. These sword-bearing freedom fighters didn't want to hear Jesus' message of being nonviolent. When Jesus picks up the temple guard's ear and heals his wound, 
he is sending a message to the powers that be and to those that oppose the occupation. There is another way. Jesus was a peacemaker in the streets, proclaiming no more of this. In Matthew's version, Jesus says, those who take the sword will perish by the sword. This arrest scene is found in all four Gospels, but it's only in Luke that Jesus says, no more of this. And in Luke, Jesus portrays, and sorry, in Luke, Jesus is portrayed as the great physician picking up the guard's ear and healing the wound. An interesting note is that many of the guards that would serve the temple were actually indentured servants, forced to serve because of poverty. They needed to serve a number of years. And as I reflect on this passage, I wonder about Jesus' compassion reaching out to the humanity of this temple guard who's having to serve in this capacity. And I wonder if Jesus, I wonder if this guard knew what this impoverished station of life was going to bring him that day, that he would be a part of betraying our very God. Now, I know this is a heavy sermon topic, and I promise you, I don't want to leave you without a sense of hope. With these bleak headlines, we need to seek out some good news to find hope and reconciliation in our community. And one place we can look for hope is a powerful witness of what's happened in South Africa with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and the village courts that were formed after the genocide in Rwanda. Our African brothers and sisters seem ready and willing to absorb Jesus' message of nonviolence in response to violence. Perhaps we can learn from our African brothers and sisters and they can be missionaries to us. How do we put away the sword and reach out to heal the wounds of our enemy? How do we make peace? Now I know the separation of church and state activists are going to raise an eyebrow when I share this. But this sermon has been percolating in me since I shared this passage with many Latino students at Venice High School after one of their classmates was shot in the faculty's uh, parking lot. They were grieving and they had intense anger and they were ready for revenge. But I asked the kids, how many of you are Catholic? And I reminded them about this passage and what Jesus is calling us to do. Now, I don't have an inflated sense of self. I'm not assuming that this moment kept them from retaliating. But praise be to God, there has not been a known retaliation to that shooting. As Presbyterians, we are committed to be a part of the ongoing transformation of our world into God's kingdom, God's new Jerusalem. We are called to pray for peace in our homes, in our streets, in our global community. How can we as Christians engage in proactive measures to make God's love, peace, and justice a reality? We are called to keep our kids on the righteous path filled with hope and promise. 
And I trust that we all can find ways, and I know it was said not one more thing, but, you know, not every week, maybe once a month, just taking an hour to mentor, to tutor, to nurture someone that's on that razor's edge that could go either way. Our youth need to know that we believe in them and that we're there for them. And we are there to hold them accountable when they start to follow the way of the zealot instead of our risen Lord. And I just want to give a promo for your urban outreach table that's back there. Because Young Life is one of the featured programs. And Young Life is going to have a group meeting in our fellowship hall. There's two Christian clubs at Hamilton High School. And these are great ways for you to follow through on Christ's commission. No more of this. Amen.